What you believe while you're growing up, that's not your fault. What you believe as an adult when you're not getting the results that you want, that is your fault. Because you can choose to change how you view it, like anything in life. Let's say you're bad at relationships, but you want a great relationship. Well, you got to do the work to look backwards and change how you view relationships. Change how you view partners. No different than money. Welcome, everybody, to The Chris Harder Show, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success, knowing that when good people like you make good money, they can then do great things. My name is Chris Harder, and several times per week, I will bring you epic guests, solo episodes, and every single tool, trick, and skill set you need to grow your business, grow your money mindset, and to grow your wealth to levels that you have never reached before. I've ended up in a unique place in life where I've got the experience, the connections, and all of the secrets that it takes to be successful. And I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Chris Harder Show. It's another Money Monday here where we absolutely believe that both prosperity and generosity can and must coexist. So today you're going to get another episode from a session that I call 20 Questions. And that's where a good friend of mine, Danny Hoffman, comes over. He's an incredible podcast producer and, and you know, a video producer. And he and his wife, they curate 20 questions for each Lori and for I. And they get all this content out of us. And, you know, some of it is for social media, but then he groups a lot of it together to be podcast episodes. And it's a great way to get a lot of my thoughts that normally only appear on other people's podcasts. It's a great way to pull them out of me and get them on this podcast so you can hear my thoughts and opinions on things as well. And today is kind of a, a cool episode because we are talking about my own personal money mindset, where my money mindset came from, what has had a, a big impact on it throughout the years, how has it shifted, and, and how all of that might apply to you. So if you struggle with money mindset, or if you just want to expand your money mindset, or if you're just curious where mine came from, this could be a really cool episode for you as well. And listen, don't forget, one of the best ways to expand your money mindset is to be around other people that lift you up, whether that's a coach, whether that's peers, or whether it's both combined. And that's exactly what our 48-hour roundtables are. Now, we're done with the roundtables for this year as I record this, except for one that is coming up in October. And that's a very special one. That one is called the 2024 Planning Roundtable. So it's going to be structured like the roundtables that have been such a smash hit so far, only it's all going to be focused on making sure that you've got your goals and your plans and your strategy and all of that ironed out for 2024. All of that in two days. Half of it coming from me working on your business, the other half of it coming from the other peers, the other talented entrepreneurs that join that roundtable working on your business. You're going to love it. So if you want to be one of the lucky 15 people in that room to really iron out your 2024, all you have to do is text me the word roundtable to 310-421-0416. Seriously, hit pause right now real quick and text me the word roundtable to 310-421-0416 or just go to chrisharder.me forward slash roundtable and put your name on the waiting list there. Again, that's chrisharder.me forward slash roundtable. All right, guys, money mindset, it's important. No matter what skills you have, no matter what processes you have, no matter what business you have, it's all going to come down to, do you believe you can get there and why you believe you should get there? So listen up, let's go. Let's talk money mindset. 
like, have you just always thought big? Or is this something that like you've really cultivated and developed? Money mindset's a, a funny thing, right? It's simply a collection of hundreds or thousands or probably millions of experiences that you've had since you were a kid that helped to shape how you view and what you think about money. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it possible to get? Is it hard to get? Does money grow on trees or is there not enough money to go grow, you know, go around? And all of these thoughts, none of them were intentionally chosen until you were an adult and said, wait a minute, I think I want to do something about this. They just landed on you. There were things that your parents thought. There were things that your teachers thought. There were things that were a component of the neighborhood you grew up in, what the other kids you hung out with said during your most formative years. And that went on to, to get even bigger in high school. Who'd you hang around there? What those teachers say? Same thing with college. And before you know it, you had your opinion of what money was and how attainable it may or may not be. It's in that moment where you're not happy with the results that your money mindset is getting you that you suddenly have to make a choice around what you want to believe when it comes to money. So what you believe while you're growing up, that's not your fault. What you believe as an adult when you're not getting the results that you want, that is your fault. Because you can choose to change how you view it, like anything in life. Let's say you're bad at relationships, but you want a great relationship. Well, you got to do the work to look backwards and change how you view relationships, change how you view partners, no different than money. You were given a certain set of beliefs that were not your choice. But when you wanted something different for yourself, it is now your choice to look back at those sets of beliefs, find out what's true and what might not have been true, and choose the ones that empower how you want to believe about money. One of the easiest ways to do that is to look back at some of your first memories about money and some of your most distinct memories about money when you were a kid. And now that you're an adult, is to look back on those and say, wait a minute, I remember it being this way, but is there a chance that it really could have been a different way? Let's say your, your, your parents get fired and they say, oh, that greedy boss laid us off just so that they can get richer. Boom. An imprint on your money DNA was just formed as a kid. But what if that wasn't the fact? What if mom or dad were slacking at work? What if there was a really bad economy and the, the boss had to lay off a few people to save many other jobs? And maybe the boss was going without. See, as a kid, when we hear these things that form our money mindset, we don't know the facts around them. We just know what mom and dad said or what the teacher said or what the neighbor was complaining about. But as adults, it's our chance to look back on these stories and reframe them or seek more evidence or heck, throw those stories out because they're no longer relevant to how you want to think and what you want to achieve today. And it's reframing those stories and it's spitting out the ones that don't serve you that will start to change how you view money and therefore change your results when it comes to money. The other great thing you can do is if you've got a bad money mindset, if you think it's hard to attain, if you think it's bad, if you think it's evil, if you think it's for the greedy only, change who you're looking at. It's not that you don't want money at the core. There's not a human being on earth that doesn't want more stability. There's not a human being on earth that doesn't want to be able to make more impact in the causes or the, for the people that they care about. There's not a human being on earth that doesn't want 
the ability to take care of their family better than they have right now. So it's not that you don't want more money. It's that you just haven't taken the time to go look for inspirational figures that have the kind of money that you wish you had deep down that show up the way you would want to show up. You know, it's really easy to to come up with the opinion that money is bad when the guy in in the Ferrari or the Lamborghini cuts you off and, and you quickly say, oh, one of those rich assholes. Boom, imprint on your money DNA. But instead of focusing on those people, because people cut you off in Camrys and shit boxes too, by the way. Instead of focusing on those people, make a list of money heroes. Who's wealthy that is helping the world in the way that you want to help the world? Who's providing for their family or their local community in a way that you would provide for your family or your local community? Who's doing good things with money the same way that you would do good things with money if you let yourself believe for one second that it's okay to have and it's okay to accumulate? There's more than enough to go around in this world. And I don't mean that figuratively. I mean that literally. Money, wealth, is an infinite thing. When you buy one stock of Apple at 100 bucks and they have a banner year and it goes up to $200, Nobody is suddenly without that extra $100, right, from $100 to $200. It just went up fictionally because we agreed that Apple stock is worth more today than it was yesterday. Supply and demand. Money is created out of thin air. Wealth is generated as just a bunch of ones and zeros in the ethos, and there's no cap on them. So when you have $100, somebody else is not missing 100 A hundred can be just as easily created in the economy for that extra person. When you have a million, somebody else is not missing a million. When you have a billion, because people love to attack the billionaires, somebody else is not missing a billion dollars. The somebody else just hasn't had the chance yet to get right with their beliefs around money, to get right with their habits in creating wealth, to take the risks, to assemble the community, to do the right things that it takes to create that wealth for yourself. And not everybody will, but anybody can. And I think that's one of the most important things to remember. We all come from different starting points. We all come with different advantages and disadvantages. And yes, those things are headwinds. But damn it, there's not a person in the world that didn't have a headwind. That's the truth of the matter. And anybody can end up wealthy. Anybody can end up with enough resources to create positive change, positive impact, to be able to share with the people and the causes that they care about. It's just not everybody will. Who was that impact for you that when you were realizing that you had things framed for you before you understood the psychology of all these different things, who helped you reframe that and see that? It's interesting. When I was in probably fifth grade, we had just moved in this beautiful new neighborhood, an upper middle class neighborhood in in Wisconsin. And there was a couple that lived across the street. And I was a kid that loved cars and they had these beautiful brand new cars. They had a beautiful brand new Jaguar and a beautiful brand new Porsche and a a beautiful brand new, God, what else was it? 
an Aston Martin or something like that at the time. And they would let me come over and sit in their cars. And they'd let me come over and ask them, how'd you get these? And I remember they were so patient. They didn't care that this little fifth grader kept coming over and wanting to sit in their cars and wanting to ask them questions. I always felt welcome. That was one of those positive imprints on me where I said, hey, successful people are pretty cool. Hey, successful people are are pretty kind. This is what I want. I love cars. I want cool cars. And I want to be the kind of person that's really welcoming. I want to be the kind of person that people like being around. It goes back to what I said earlier. It's just your set of life experiences that, that, that make you think something is good or something is bad. It makes you think people are good or bad. It makes you think areas or towns are good or bad. It makes you think money is good or bad. There's no one truth to any of that. It's just your current opinion on what it is versus what your opinion could be if you sought out the right heroes, the right reinforcements, the right evidence around what you could be like if you had money. It's not a shock that you have the three cars you mentioned at this point or have had those cars now. That is really funny. I never put two and two together. How's that for some deep psychology there? That's funny. That was ingrained. When you talk a lot about having money so that you can do good with that money, yeah. where did you get the mindset and the, the understanding that like I need to be able to give mm-hmm. to receive? And why do you care so deeply about caring for others? I've got to credit my parents and specifically my mom for my obsession over generosity. You know, when we were kids growing up, mom always believed that anything was possible and she always believed in, in, in abundance. And she especially believed in giving. Not just believed in it, but made us boys, my brother and I, actively give, do acts of generosity. I remember every Christmas, we'd adopt a bunch of families and we wouldn't just adopt them, but we would go shopping with mom and pick out the things that were on their list. Then we would stay up at night wrapping them. Then we would go deliver them to the families so we could see the impact that it created. Well, when you're a kid, that creates a a very positive impact on you. Hey, here's what I can do when I've got some extra money. When the offering plate would come around at church every Sunday, our parents would give us the money to put in the offering plate. And it was usually a little bit more than what other families were given, even though at the time we're just a regular middle-class family. And they would explain to us, here's why we gave the amount that we gave in the offering plate today. Here's the people that need it. Here's what it can do for them. We'd go out for brunch or out for dinner. And every time the bill came, mom would make one of us boys figure out the tip And if it wasn't big enough, she'd tell us to make it bigger and go on to explain that, hey, this server, they're away from their family right now, serving our family. They'd rather be home or out to dinner with their family just like we are right now. It costs us very little to give them something extra that even if it doesn't change their life, a big tip doesn't typically change someone's life, but it reminds them in that moment, oh, people care about me. There's an equal energy exchange for the the value for the service that I'm giving them right now. And that bright spot in their day, that has a trickle-down effect into everybody else's day. Examples like that are why I grew up loving generosity. Because as a kid, I got to not just see it in action, but it was 
put in action through me, through my parents. And that stuck with me ever since. That went on to experiencing, you know, other people with, with homelessness and pitching in and, and finding people to pitch in and, and try and solve that problem for them. And many other causes that as a young adult, when typically long before you care about these things, I already cared about. Because mom set those, those habits, set those beliefs in action. Do you think you would be as successful as you are if you didn't have the charitable mindset that you have? Yes and no. It depends how you define success. Successful in the fact that I'm really happy with my life and I'm really happy with my contribution in life. You can only get there by exercising generosity. If someone's calling success a certain number in the bank, yeah, I believe people can get there without being generous. But I'll tell you what, I think it's easier to get there and stay there when you're bringing other people along with you. I think it's easier to get there and stay there when other people say and see, oh, that's a good person. I want to go to bat for them. I think it's easier to get there and stay there when you've given and given and given on such a regular basis that people want to find a way to give back to you. So anybody can hit a number in the bank, whether they are generous or not. But when you say successful, to me, you're not successful if other people around you are still suffering. And when you can take care of yourself and other people and other causes that you care about, that's really what success is. You are known for the term, when good people make good money, they do great things. Where did that come from for you? I can't remember where the exact sentence, when good people make good money, they can do great things came from. It was when we were starting the podcast. It was the ethos that Lori and I have always lived by. And I think it was just the evidence that I've seen. Remember, going back to some of those stories, how I had a positive view of money growing up. And I saw people doing positive things with it. My evidence in life was, hey, when a good person has a good amount of money, I'm seeing them do great things with it. And then because I already saw that, I saw more of that, right? We tend to see more of what we already see. And so I just saw compounding evidence that when good people make good money, they then take that and they go do great things with it. It's also what I wanted to see in life. You know, if mom gets the credit for making us generous, dad gets the credit for making me the eternal optimist. That man was happy 24-7. I can't remember a single time that he ever complained about anything. And I mean that literally. Lori and I have sat down. We're like, let's try and remember one time dad complained. And we couldn't remember. He was the first to snow blow somebody's driveway when it's freezing out there. He was the first to mow someone's yard when the neighbor was gone. He's the first to pull somebody's car out of the ditch. That man was selfless and had a ball doing it. And when you're a positive person, because that's what I saw modeled for me growing up. When you're a positive person by default, you have a tendency to see more things in a positive light. If you're a negative person, you see things in a negative light. So the combination of seeing money as a good thing and experiencing generosity, combined with being positive and seeing positive spins on things, because I'm positive as a default, those two things together, I think, are what really made me who I am today. And if that's a 
a beacon of possibility, if that's an example of what could be, if that's a wake up call to, hey, get over here on the generosity train, it's a little bit more fun, a little bit more fulfilling, then great, I'm happy that that's my role. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.